1: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply Bank of America NA member FDIC we took it all we brought them to our
0: land an endless night ember hot and
2: icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not
1: see we could not but she did and in the end
0: What will I become?
1: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it
0: now with Game Pass. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith.
1: Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, back-to-back days with a guest. We're doing it again. Somebody's We're, back.
2: We're back in the saddle. Glad to have Doug Whaley uh, with us. Uh, Doug and I appear together on the Final Word on Channel Eleven. Sometimes Doug, obviously a longtime former NFL executive, and is now currently working for the UFL. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Doug, thanks for having us. Great, uh, great, great. Thanks for coming with us. Great to have you on the show.
0: I appreciate you guys taking some time to talk to me. I know I'm not as Highly esteemed, as I'm sure some of your other guests. Oh, no, that's <laughs> no, no,
2: our guests are not highly esteemed. This is not a highly <laughs> esteemed guest kind of show. You're about the cream right. of the crop. What far. was the
1: tease, Alan? Uh, the, the, oh, first? I
2: think you're the first guy that's been on our show that has, like, you know, recently anyway, cashed an NFL paycheck. That was, I got you yeah. that was my okay. tease for today. So, so no, we're not, we're not. This is, this is. This is, uh, this is as good as it gets for the Steelers afternoon drive here. So I appreciate <laughs> well, you riding just, along with us. Let's say I'll
0: be the stepping stone for there, big,
2: bigger and greater guests. How there you go. That? All yeah. right, I like that. I like
0: that.
1: There we go. Uh, Doug, what are your perspective on this? Alan brought this up to me right before we started recording. I think it's an interesting question because we've seen it floated around on Twitter and stuff. It's a interesting point of discussion for Steelers fans because most people seem to think Steelers could do everything perfect this offseason. But if there's not an upgraded quarterback, if they still go in to 2024 with Kenny Pickett as QB1, then nothing else matters. It's not possible for them to have a good offseason if that's the case. And I want to get your perspective on that.
0: I think, uh, obviously, that is one way to look at it because it's such a quarterback-driven league and a quarterback-driven mm-hmm. sport. But I do think they can really have a good offseason if they don't. And I'll tell you why. Because, obviously, this year is going to be predicated on what Kenny Pickett does in his maturation process at that position. But if it's if he takes off and his trajectory he points upward, his arrows upward – you still are going to need some pieces around him to make sure to help him achieve that goal. And worst case scenario, let's say he shows that he is not the guy or he's just an okay starter. You're still going to need pieces on that team for whoever the next quarterback is so they can come in and have a chance to excel and shine. So for me, I think you can get, you can upgrade an offensive line, You can get another receiver. You can upgrade on the defense, linebacker position, D-line, and especially another corner. So there's still work to be done. But again, when you look at Patrick Mahomes and what he's done, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, when it boils down to it until you figure out that position, the end result is always going to be what is that quarterback bringing to the table.
2: Yeah, I have a hard time. Like seeing the Steelers as being, you know, favorites to come out of the AFC with you know Mahomes Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow all lined up against them until they've got a, a more significant answer than what they appear to have right now at the quarterback position. But I don't I don't think it's necessarily a failure if they go through this offseason without making a change. I don't think we talked to Derek Classen yesterday, one of my favorite uh you know analysts in, in the media, the quarterback position nationally. And you know, he kind of agreed that you know unless they're going to go spend the money to get Kirk cousins, which doesn't even really look particularly realistic from a salary cap standpoint, or, or maybe if they could trade for Justin Fields, there aren't a lot of just surefire options out there. They're not drafting high enough where they should expect to get someone that would come in and immediately be better than Kenny Pickett. Sometimes it's okay to uh, kick the can down the road and do the best you can everywhere else. And maybe find that quarterback, Later, one of the things I kind of equate this to is um, I used to cover pit basketball. Jeff Capel's a guy I have a lot of admiration for. And I always thought – this quote of his always stuck out to me. is like when you're talking about recruit recruiting, the best thing you can hear from a recruit is, yes, I want to play for you. I want to sign up with you. And the second best thing you can hear is, no, I don't want to play for you. It's <laughs> like if you – If you waste your time talking to a guy that doesn't end up with you, that's the worst situation. So if the Steelers go out there and Kenny just doesn't have it and he's just clearly not the guy, like I don't even think that's the worst-case scenario for the team. You just say, okay, we'll take our lumps. We lost on that first-round draft pick. It's time to go again, and maybe uh, the rest of the team will be in a little bit better position around him this time around. I think that's an okay mindset to have. I don't think it has to be – Boom or bust every year.
0: I agree with you. And that's a great uh, point. The last thing you want to be is lukewarm. So the worst place the Steelers could be is nine and eight next year and in the divisional round and getting squashed again. Then you're like, we're not better. We're not worse. We're right. We're meddling right in the middle. And so I totally agree with you. But again, you can, when you look at it this way, and I, I always put it this way when I'm talking about football and the quarterback position. If you have a guy, if you have a Burrow, a Josh Allen, you need to need that one guy, one out of 22 guys, to be operating at least 80 to 85 to 90%, and you always have a chance. If you don't have that guy, you need 21 other guys working at 80 to 90% of maximum output to have a chance. And that over 17-game season's factoring injuries is a hard way to make a living and a hard way to obtain that ultimate goal was winning the Super Bowl
1: yeah Doug I think a a good question that kind of just popped my mind as we were going through this is so what is like the worst case scenario for the Steelers not in terms of just like the team record or everything like that but like with Kenny Pickett like maybe like an injury taking place and him not being on the field to show you if he is an answer or just like similar situation like his rookie year where like you see the flashes in the fourth quarter down the stretch but maybe not much else like how, how could this be a situation where we still don't have an answer in 2024
0: I, I think you covered it it's a point where he hasn't been out there for 17 games to show what he he can do or what he's capable of doing or what he has matured to do as a player and you're still in that limbo land if we're, if next year everybody is still saying is he the guy then that is the worst case scenario and that's why in my opinion it's I have no issue, and I've talked to a lot of people, and still some, no one's been able to tell me why. If there is a quarterback, especially at 20, that they feel is worthy, why not get that guy? There's no reason why not to because I look at it this way. If Kenny is the guy, he proves he's the guy, then you have a young backup that maybe a year from t- to now, you can trade for more than you, you, you invested in them. If Kenny's not the guy, you have that option already because everybody's like, well, just next year we'll, we'll get a quarterback. What's the quarterback class look like next year? Is it as deep as it is this year? Are you going to have to mortgage future draft choice to go up and get that guy? And it's still a 55th chance if that, that guy is going to be the guy or not. So to me, again, I'm not saying there will be someone there that they deem worthy at 20, but I, no one's told me a reason why not to.
2: Yeah, I think the best reason why not to is it doesn't look like there's going to be somebody there, right? right? I think J.J. Right. McCarthy would be the only one that maybe could be there, and from what I'm hearing, it seems like he'll be higher than that. I do think they should absolutely be looking at taking a swing somewhere in the middle rounds, find a guy with some higher upside, like a Jordan Travis maybe, uh, who uh, seems like he's going to fall into day three maybe even, and and find a guy that you can bet on a little bit, you know, if they get into another situation where they were in last year, where it's late in the year and you kind of get to the like, what else do we have to lose? Place. Right. I mean, wouldn't you, how much different would the conversation about the Steelers' quarterback situation be right now if last year they had used a fourth or fifth round pick on a quarterback, and when Mitch Trubisky failed? They put that fifth-rounder in, and then instead of it being Mason Rudolph, it was that fifth-rounder that went in and had three really good games and yeah. went and took the team into the playoffs. Like, that would be a completely different conversation about the quarterback room right now. I think they need to set themselves up that if they get into a bad place, they've got someone with some upside they can turn to next time.
0: No doubt. You you always look at it try to keep, especially at that position, somebody that's young and cheap with a big upside. And you should throw a dart at that board every single year, especially at that position. And that, that's what, like you said, you have something in the hopper. You got something to work with. And right now, when you look at it, they only have one quarterback on the roster. Because to me, I don't see Mason Rudolph coming back unless you're going to overpay for him. And the Steelers don't historically overpay. And if you overpay for him and bring him in, is that, to me, going to set up a division in that locker room? Because they're going to have half the locker room saying – Mason should be the other guy. Should be the guy, and the other half saying Pickett should be the guy. So to me, I know everybody's like, "Well, let's bring Mason back." That, to me, is is probably maybe going to be the worst outcome, unless they say Mason, you come back, you're our guy. That that's the only way, because Mason's not going to come back and, and say we're going to compete, have you compete, or you're going to be the backup. So to me, you got Kenny, so you got to have a plan for to add two, the minimum two more, possibly three.
2: There's something you said there that I want to ask you about. And it's the, you said the Steelers don't usually overpay and there's lots of things. I mean, we can look at, you know, like making big trades like a Justin Fields trade would be the Steelers don't usually do things like that either. Um, they're a very consistent organization over a long time. They make my job really easy because they have principles that they stand by and it, it generally makes it pretty easy to, to know what they're going to do. Uh, but obviously they just had to change the general manager and, uh, are there ways that you think that we should not say, "Oh, well, this is this is how the Steelers have always done things," so they're not going to do this? Because obviously, the you know the GM is a different guy. Omar's different than Kevin Colbert was. Are there areas that you think they they are different or will be different uh, because of that change?
0: No, I think they they've evolved. But when when I say they evolved, the foundation is still there, and I'll point to the recent offensive coordinator hire. I mean, the foundation of what he is all about is the same foundation of the Steelers. Now, he is a a new voice coming in, and he's got an involved – attack rushing attack and downfield passing attack so yes i think they've evolved if you look at the way they've structured contracts recently it is caught up with the times of where everybody else in the nfl is how they're structuring contracts. so with omar coming in yes i see an evolution but the base of how they conduct business and what they are all about i think is still going to be there and will always be there
2: yeah, I'd agree with that. As long as there's a Rooney signing the checks anyway, I don't I don't think no. we're going to see those those big picture things change.
0: No, no, not at all. Now, we'll see. Uh, will they make a swing? And, and maybe Rooney says we need to find a competition, legitimate competition for Kenny Pickett because if we go in this, and like we said before, in this year and come out this year, come out of next year with the same questions, that really looks – is pointed toward the people at the head, uh, Coach Tomlin, Art, and Omar. Then it's like you just set the franchise back another year, but more importantly, you wasted another year of that defense. You wasted another year of T.J. Watt. You wasted one of the final maybe years of Cam Hayward, another year of Mika Fitzpatrick. So you're starting to say that side of the ball, they're not arrow pointing up. Now it's leveled off and soon to be pointing down. So there is some sense of urgency, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, we didn't talk about this at all yesterday because we spent so much time talking about the quarterbacks, but the Steelers offensive staff kind of starting to round out. Maybe they are done, you know, unless they do add like a pass game coordinator, which that potentially isn't on the way anyway. Mike Sullivan moving into his new role as a senior offensive assistant, Matt Baker coming in as an offensive assistant. Um, You know, are, are you surprised that Mike Sullivan is staying on staff at all or that he was moved into a different role despite them bringing in a new quarterback coach?
0: And that, that's interesting, usually because of a guy that uh, even though he was an interim OC play caller, when mm-hmm. you bring in a new OC, if if he didn't stay in his position of quarterback coach, it's very unusual for a guy to stay on staff. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, there is some benefit to a guy like Mike Sullivan to be able to give inside information to Arthur Smith on, hey, George Pickens, this is how you he responds to this situation or these are the buttons you have to push. So he could give inside information on a litany of aspects that would take time for Arthur Smith and the new offensive coaches to learn. So there is some positivity of him sticking around reason why he did. I'd be interested to hear what he said and the real role specifics of what he's going to be doing day in and day out. But uh, I think it was a positive thing to keep him on.
2: The thing that stood out to me when I saw this new coaching staff is with you know they hired Tom Arth as the quarterbacks coach, and now they brought in Matt Baker, who had been uh, on that Atlanta staff with Arthur Smith. Obviously, was um, well, he might have been in Buffalo when you were in Buffalo, was he?
0: Nah, uh, he was right after me.
2: Okay, uh, mm-hmm. but now they, they didn't have last year. They didn't have a single guy in the entire organization that played quarterback at even the FBS level. Now they have two guys that were, I mean, look, not not like all pros or anything, but right. had lengthy stays in the NFL. How much do you think that specific experience from the coaching staff can be a benefit in terms of developing Kenny Pickett or whoever else they might draft a quarterback?
0: Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at it, uh, and it's funny you say that there's not a, a highly accomplished quarterback. Most highly accomplished quarterbacks and even players don't make the best coaches. It's those backups that had to – assert themselves with studying with extra work with doing everything right and knowing the the minute details and those are the guys that make the best co- coaches and i think this is a positive positive. and in the end kenny you can a coach can coach but if you have a guy that you can lean on that's been there and done it before and say yeah the coach is saying take five steps in a hitch but if you see this here's a telltale sign on this guy's crouching up on the line of scrimmage, you're not going to get to that five-step and hit. It's just going to be five-step and let it go. So little details and intricacies about playing the position like that, that they can depart, is nothing but a positive, especially on a quarterback that's trying to navigate his ways through the NFL uh, landscape.
2: Steelers have had one of the smaller coaching staffs in the NFL for a number of years now. They haven't really embraced these roles of pass game coordinator or run game coordinator. They don't haven't had an assistant head coach since John Mitchell retired. Do you see that as a weakness or are the Steelers bucking the trend in a potentially useful way? That's just not maybe immediately evident right now.
0: Well, there's two schools of thought. There's one school of thought that if you have a large staff, then sometimes that message gets watered down or can get diluted or it can get frayed because everybody it's hard to keep 20, 30, some people preaching the same thing or talking about the same thing. So a smaller staff, you control that. My thought process, though, is because of the way staffs are built now, it's more about player development. I would like to see a bigger staff just because if you had a quarterback coach, an assistant quarterback coach, then that fourth or fifth round that you took a flyer on, that assistant quarterback coach, instead of that Fifth or fifth round, fourth or fifth rounder just looking at cards and running scout team. He's taking extra time with him to do film study, to work out on the field. And that's where you start improving the back end of your roster, which helps when injuries happen and it helps when you get older players that leave for free agency. Then you can have those young guys developed and ready to take over instead of having to depend on rookies or untested guys or unproven guys. And then that's where their play is so up and down and then you you just can't consistently compete when you have guys and it's not their fault they just haven't been developed so I think that's the major emphasis when you have a bigger staff is player development
2: and I think that keeps that job keeps getting bigger as they've loosened the injured reserve rules and now we have a 16 player practice squad right. I mean, it used to be you had 53 guys and, and eight and maybe yeah. you had two or three that were on the IR now you've got, 70, 80 guys hanging around in a locker room by the end of the year, and it's 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 a lot of work.
0: It's it's student-teacher ratio. I mean, that's it. And when people are looking, I got young kids now, you look at, all right, in the school, what's the student-teacher ratio? And right now, if you have a smaller staff, it is very hard not only to get your players, your first-string guys up to speed and getting them play at a high level, but your backup. backups, I mean, it's just manpower. You don't have it. And I've always, when Terry Pagulo bought the buffalo bills he said doug i understand there's a there's a salary cap for players but there's no salary cap for coaches there's no salary cap for player development there's no salary cap for uh performance and medical so let's invest in that which in turn and you're really investing in your players
1: that's an interesting thought yeah um uh do you have anything else like Steelers related before we dive into the ufl stuff
2: I don't think so. Um, Tom Arthur is an interesting, uh, uh, jumping off point because his, when I, when we, when they first hired him and I looked at his resume and it's, it's, you know, you look at some of the teams he played for and he was in Europe. Uh, he was playing in the arena league. He was playing Mm -hmm. all, all kinds of places. Um, With the the changes to spring football in the last few years, I think it's obviously become more professional. I think it's obviously become a better realistic development path. But I think now uh, with the merger of the USFL and the XFL and and everything being under one roof, I think there really is an opportunity for what you guys are doing to become, for the first time, a real development pipeline to the NFL that we've never really seen before. How exciting for you is that opportunity right now to have kind of – hey, this is the spot where everyone that is not on a 90-man roster right now should want to be?
0: Well, it's exciting not only for me, but it's exciting for what we say, the the football ecosystem. And the way we look at it, and I think one of the reasons a lot of the spring leagues in the past did not accomplish the goal of staying around, two reasons. One, they tried to spin like they were the NFL, or they tried to compete like the NFL, or they tried to say, "Let's, let's position ourselves to get bought out by the NFL. All three of those you can't. What we at the UFL are looking at is, let's be a part of this football ecosystem and help develop players, help develop coaches, help develop scouts, help develop trainers, help develop performance staff, help develop social media people. So they can do one or two things. They can springboard to the next level, which is the NFL, the ultimate goal, or have a soft landing and say, hey, I did achieve my goal by working in professional sports with a spring league, and this is what I'm going to do. And 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 on the player side, it gives them for about five months out of the year a nice salary so they can say, I can figure out what I want to do after sports instead of having to go out there and just get a job. So they still feed that flame of which they've been burning since they've been little and accomplishing that goal of playing professional sports, but – also knowing okay I can transition to another phase in my life and still be able to do the thing I love
1: uh, Doug how if at all has the merger like impacted you or like the the lead do you think like why is it a positive in your opinion
0: well it's a positive because of when you start consolidating that talent that makes the product better and I mean this way XFL USFL when we were playing at the same time, yeah, our starters were very comparable, but what happens, and we all know this, that injuries are part of the game. So that dip from the starter to second string was there was a, there was a tranche because of the lack. Just there was just too many opportunities, which is a bad thing when you're talking about skill level of football players, because there's just not that many of those, as Coach Tomlin got says, not many of those guys are getting born and walking the earth. So when you can consolidate that talent, that means when you have injuries that level of play is not going to dip and we want to have exciting plays and exciting just a tenure for our players from week 1 all the way through our championship level weekend. So when you consolidate, I think it's a positive thing all around.
2: When you look at the history of I don't know whether you want to call it uh, rival leagues or second tier leagues or, you know, independent other professional leagues. One of the big things that they've had an impact in over the years has been innovation in terms of rules, in terms of being a sandbox for strategy. Where do you see, like in 10 years, what are some things that we're going to be saying, oh, this happened in the NFL because of the UFL?
0: Yeah, I think uh, when you look at player to coach communication, we're going to have communication devices that our coaches can talk to each player i think we're going to have five on offense and five on defense and w- when you talk about that everybody like, well why is that one you don't have to worry about uh stealing signals and all of that stuff a la michigan but two we did a study because we had it last year in xfl receivers actually ran almost a mile to mile and a half less because they didn't have to run into the huddle to get the call and then run back out so then you're talking player safety then you start talking about these receivers and dbs being fresher later in the game so you have a propensity for bigger plays so all those little things like that i think you'll start to see creep into the nfl and then i'll be interested our overtime now obviously there was a great game at the Super Bowl and that overtime, but our overtime is mimics like a soccer shootout or a hockey shootout. So that I think would be just as exciting. So there are some things that we, as we say, can be a peach tree dish for the NFL and see how how these things work out. And I think they're going to adopt some of them. I I definitely foresee that in the future. And they're already talking about the XFL uh, kickoff, how they're going to start studying that as well. So-
2: I loved the NFL playoff overtime. I understand why they're probably not going to want to do it all the time, but I like the 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 shootout overtime. I like way better than what college football has right now. I think that's that's a better solution. It was definitely a lot of fun to watch last year. Um, how have you seen the NFL uh, maybe in terms of like scouts or GMs or coaches adjust their expectations for what a player coming out of spring football? can do as we've seen guys come and be success stories over these last couple of years.
0: I think they understand that for the players in a league like this, like the UFL are here for some type of circumstance, be it they were injured in college and they get a chance, or they played behind somebody that was really good and didn't get a chance, or they went to a team and got injured and this for whatever reason, they haven't been able to put their skills on tape to show nfl teams that they can play or in other cases maybe they've been on a practice squad for two or three years for the same team but never really got tape in the preseason to show off to other teams so this is a way for them to improve their skills get a 10 games of tape of showing what they can do against other professionals and it's really just a marketing tool for them to to get out there and increase the their their ability to attract teams that want them to play. And from an NFL standpoint, it's, oh, I kind of like this guy, but I just never got a good feel for him because he only had five plays in the preseason. Now, guess what? He just played 400 plays against, like I said, other professionals. I do like him. Let's bring him in. And the last part about it is when our season's over, it's almost the tail end of the, the the summer or the spring workouts for those guys. But if you have anybody that gets hurt, you can bring these guys in and you're not worried that they're out of shape. They're going to be in game shape and ready to come in and contribute. And those, And that's really special for these guys because when you come in as a bottom tier guy on the roster, you may only get that first week or two weeks in training camp or that last uh, season Not, I mean that that last um, what I'm trying to say the, the um, what do you have when they have the uh, I can't think of it well the um, camp the, yeah. yeah 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 right at the summer. I'm drawing a blank long days. but anyway, you come in for that those those camp days, those three camps right before they break for summer. you come in and you show out you're going to have a better chance of making that team when it comes to the training camp.
2: What you said, I think really is very meaningful. When I talk to players, that is like that experience on the field is the thing. A lot of these guys don't get, you know, you can make a lot of money right now being on an NFL practice squad, but like you're saying, like you could be on the team for three years and get 30 reps. And so, do you think at some point the NFL, whether it's through the UFL or through its own devices, is going to look at the success of, of this spring leagues and say, hey, we've got guys that we could be playing in the spring that, you know, like I'll look at the Steelers, for example, a guy like uh, Alfonso Graham, right, was a rookie free agent running back last year, gets hurt in training camp. First year's a total wash. Like, man, I bet they'd love to get that guy some reps this spring uh, yep. other than in just OTAs. Uh, do you think do you think at some point in the future, whether it's through the UFL or through its own thing, the NFL is going to want to get involved in the guys under contract playing some in the spring?
0: And it was mandatory minicamp. I was trying to. Sorry. I lost. Yes, I think so. I think if you look at it and what we've talked about and presented to some GMs just off record and to the NFLPA is, this is exactly what you guys need and, and be able to develop these players because of the limited reps and limited resources that these guys are getting when they're on, on on your squads in the spring. So why not have an allocation system which they had similar to in NFL Europe where you can allocate one to two or five players, you reserve their rights and then you get them really off season training and development off your dime. So I think it's a perfect pathway for, again, to elevate the football ecosystem as a whole.
2: Yeah, we talk, I mean, it's it's football is the only sport where, hey, it's the NFL or nothing, and it has been for a long time. Every other place, guys that wash out of the usual development system have a, have a way to rebound, and I think the ability to give guys that second chance or guys that got, Whatever fell through the cracks for whatever reason that first time around to get their chance, I think it's it's hugely valuable. I'm a big fan of the product. I'll definitely be watching again this year. Uh We we sad the Maulers aren't around this time, even though they never played in Pittsburgh. But hopefully, <laughs> the league growing. Maybe we get yep. back to like uh, 16 teams. Maybe we could see uh, them make a comeback again.
0: That's a plan. I mean, I think we're we're really looking at, obviously, our players are reporting uh, Saturday to start training camp, Mm. but we're starting on planning sessions for 25, and there's talk about expansion, and obviously Pittsburgh is one of those teams, one of the markets that uh, is getting heavy consideration.
1: There we go. Uh, Doug, do you have any interactions with Dwayne The Rock Johnson?
0: Uh, I do. And I'll tell you. People All right. Well, can you that, tell him
1: to stay out of WWE and let my guy Cody Rhodes do his thing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I hear, I hear he's going on to the dark side, but
1: he I'm is. Say he is. Hollywood rocks back.
0: Yeah. I'll say two things about uh, Dwayne. Um, you always hear about entourages for very highly successful people. And, and, and I'll tell you, this, mm-hmm. it's true. But it's not entourages as just their like football entourages, their buddies from school and from their hometown. No, these are legitimate people that bring value add to what he's doing. You're talking to mm-hmm. security guards. You're talking to chief of staff. You're talking to social media contact people. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's surrounded by like seven or eight people. But the most yeah. important thing I want to dis- depart to your listeners are. What you see is what you get with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I've met a lot of famous people, and it's like, oh, yeah, hi, and and they're looking past you for something else. He will look you in the eye and talk to you, and when you're talking to him, you're thinking, this is all he's really concentrated on right now. So he
2: is as advertised.
1: Love to hear it. All right, I got what I needed out of this episode. <laughs> so
2: we're good. All right. uh, Doug, Where where um where is the UFL on TV this spring?
0: You're going to see us on Fox. You're going to see us on ESPN. You're going to see us on ABC and ESPN2 and FX1. But majority is going to be Fox and ABC and ESPN.
2: Sweet. And, of there course, we'll we continue to see you sometimes alongside me on The Final Word mm-hmm. on Channel 11. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you're doing some draft stuff for them, right, Tip?
0: Yes, I'll be doing some draft stuff. So, so
2: Sweet. can't well, wait to see uh, you again, fellas. Make sure we'll catch you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's it.
1: Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks, right, so, Enjoy.
2: Yep. Take care. Yep.
1: Big thanks to Doug Whaley for joining the show. Uh, Alan, tell the people where they can find you.
2: At A. Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter, PGHSteelersNow, Steelers now, steelersnow.com. Uh story about Georgia Center Cedric Van Praan, why he's falling down draft boards and why that mm. might be a good thing for the Steelers
1: very much very much could be all right like subscribe hit that notification bell here hit us in the comments uh leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else apple spotify wherever your podcast from i'm zachary smith pgh once again thanks to doug Whaley for joining the show for alan Saunders and myself thanks for jumping in take another ride on the steelers afternoon drive we took it all we brought them to our
0: land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse
1: carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end
2: what will i become senwa
1: saga hellblade 2
0: play it now with game pass with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice
1: The mm-hmm.